Long. Way outside for the three. It's good. He got it. It's good. Season for Texas, they finished 34 and 0. The number one ranked team from beginning to end, winning their first NCAA championship. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Texas 24 podcast on the Dave Campbell's Podcast Network. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me to start this wonderful season off is Ishmael Johnson. Ish, how are you doing today? Better now that we're watching games, man. You were at, you were at uh, LSU yesterday watching games in person, actual games that matter. Kim Mulkey in person. Uh, Kim Mulkey question. Mm-hmm. Oh. You got to actually do instead of scrimmages, instead of going to practice, speculating. We're talking about actual games and actual lineups. This is this is cool, man. It, it, I it felt like a whirlwind because like everybody started. <clears throat> Most everybody started yesterday, and so like you're just watching, like right. so you're trying to switch over and like watch ESPN's not the best app. So like you're trying to like find different games because you can't really do a split screen thing, and so like it, it was all over. Like I had like I had my live Hulu up to see what games were on that. I had watched it was it was all over the place. All before the, the before the LSU game, I was literally I had uh, the SFA UTSA women's game, and then I also had the Texas women's game up there too. Yep. I was bin- binging those. It felt like I was. That's what it felt like. I felt like I was binging like shows because of how much I was just consuming. Like I was like, yep. all right, we're gonna watch this game, this game, this game. Oh, and I'm also watching this LSU game as well. So it's like just like four things at once. So we have plenty to talk about. Um well, let's just jump right into. I mean, I think we can start with the game of the day and go from there. Yep. Baylor, Texas State. Uh, and we'll talk about teams that surprised us mm-hmm. this was kind of a surprising result uh, the final score 77 to 70 in favor of Baylor it was at Baylor um, obviously we know what Baylor has as far as returning and also transfer talent mm-hmm. and they started the lineup that we expected or at least I expected in terms of Asbury Andrews Lewis uh, Smith and uh, Igbo and Texas State while I don't think it was as close as the final score indicated they didn't get blown out by any stretch. I don't think they've trailed by 20 at any point, at least to my memory. It was 19, sometimes 18, but it was mm-hmm. 15 to 10 a lot of the game. They were, yeah, it was very much like a Baylor. You could tell that moment in, in these type of games where Baylor kind of wanted to take the foot off the gas and like, okay, here's where we kind of balloon the lead and here's where we kind of, and then every single time that would happen, they would blink and they'd be down, they'd only be up eight or something, right? And so Texas State was able to, I think the telling stat for me, and I'm wondering how much this hurts Baylor going forward, is they I, only yeah. beat Texas State on the glass 44-36. And at one point, I believe it was 35-30. Um, Texas State, a solid rebounding team, but not a great one, right? They're they're pretty solid, and they have some size, but obviously Baylor has Nelissa Smith and Queen Egbo. Like, that's that should get you enough. Um, and so... We can get into, I do want to praise Texas State a little bit, obviously, because they, you know, played a great game. They played really good defense. They, you could tell they wanted to kind of win this game at the three-point line. They shot 34 threes. Um, and they were, toward, towards the end especially, that's kind of what cut this lead down to what it was. Um, 
Uh, Denasia Hood was four of 10 from three. Jonah Johnson was three of 10 from three. And you can tell like towards the end, that was what, that was like, okay, this is where we're going to win this game. If, if we're, if we do pull this upset, this is where it's going to be. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, Ja'Kayla Bowie with eight rebounds, Denasia Hood with six rebounds, like they were right there on the glass with Baylor. And like, that's what's, that's what shook me. I mean, uh, I believe Baylor won the offensive rebounding battle 11 to 10. Like it's again, this was a very even matchup, which part of me wants to praise Texas state for that. But part of me is like, Oh, what's up? Like Baylor has a significant size advantage yes. against a lot of teams. And this type of rebounding discrepancy shouldn't be uh, uh, happening. Yes. So the rebounding is, is one aspect that I, I agree with. I think it goes to a bigger point here. This is not Baylor under Kim Mulkey anymore. Yep. yep. This is, this was weird. This was they shot 25 threes. This, <laughs> like this, this team shot 25 threes. Last year they averaged 10.6. They shot 2.5 times as many threes this game than they did. And they're not playing against a great team here, right? right. Texas State is a good team. We know that, but they're not in the Big 12. Last year, it didn't matter who Baylor played, they were gonna double you up inside the paint. They didn't even do that against Texas State. And I mean, I, I, I'm all y'all, if y'all listen to this podcast, you know, I am a big proponent of the three point line. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Yes. You need to be able to shoot threes. Um, Baylor went four 25 from three. Yeah. And you have Nalissa Smith and Queen Ekbo. And I've, I've also said on this podcast several, several times, women's basketball specifically post game is key. You gotta mm -hmm. win in the paint. You have if dominant post player just changes things. And they have that. You could argue they have two dominant post players and Queen Egbo and Melissa Smith got their own, but there was way too many times where whether it was Sarah Andrews or, I mean, Jaden Owen started the game well, but then she kind of dipped off. Jamie Asbury finishes with three points. This can't be a perimeter-oriented team. It right. can't. It can't. I, I understand Nikki Collin comes from WNBA, but that's a different game than the college game here. You got to play through, A, your best players, and B, through the post, in my opinion. It's, it has to be Melissa Smith, Queen Egbo, every single time down the court, get them the ball. And they, a lot of times they did, again, I'm not saying they, they like isolated them or something like mm -hmm. that, but it can't be like 25 threes. I'm not mad at, but right. it can't be a game where against Texas state specifically, I felt like Melissa Smith and Queen Agbo didn't get nearly enough touches and nearly enough. Uh, weren't forceful enough when, when they did as well. I, I didn't think they were great, but they were still better than shooting 25 threes. Yeah, I think Justin Justin Carter did a good article for us on what before the game on what they could look like under Nikki Collin, and it, he did hint at like the more perimeter focus, right? You bring in a Jamie Asbury, a um, a Jordan Lewis, and, and you kind of immediately you immediately upgrade your guard position, right, offensively, and so like yes. you kind of want to probably uh, shoot, get better from the perimeter compared to last year. But like you mentioned, this is still a team that strength should be on the inside. The other thing I want to hint on, and this is actually the rebounding one is something that could fluctuate and then, you know, it, they could get better at that. And as, as they kind of <clears throat> uh, figure out what they want to do on that end and, and using their size, the thing that really, I think concerns me for this team. And this is where Texas state, I think played brilliantly Texas state. I'm trying to find it right here. Uh, points off the bench, 26 to 13 in favor of Texas State. Baylor only played seven players. Caitlin Bickle and Jade Nones were the only players that came off the bench. And when you have 
a Caitlin Bickle, who is your backup four, right? She's she had zero rebounds in this game. She's your backup. She's your backup four, and I get she's a stretch, and or at least that's how they want to use her. Um, I think they've. I, th- I think it's kind of been a gradual progression with her. I think Mulkey used her a little bit more in the paint um, previously, and so if she's your 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 big off the bench, uh, like you know, like you can't have zero rebounds off the bench from her, they, right? They like, said to go to your point of depth real quick. Yeah, I and I, I'm pretty sure this is true because I think we talked about it on the Baylor podcast. I don't remember mm-hmm. if we did or not. They literally added a walk on to get to 10 players on this. Yes. Team. Yes. That, yes. That is true. Um, I was talking to somebody who's <clears throat> more plugged in than I am um, who covers Baylor. And like, basically he says like, yeah, there's 10, t- there's 10 players on this team and one of them is not going to play. Like, like, it's not even like, Oh, there's 10, there's 10 rotation. Oh, there's 10 players on this team. Like <laughs> this is a very How shallow. Does that happen? I, I don't know if it was a combination of them not getting the players they wanted or the roster construction not working out the way they thought. I don't know, but this is a that's a serious issue. That so it's not sanctioned or anything like that. I, they're, they, are they not in trouble? I don't. I don't remember. I have, I have no I idea. I didn't hear I anything no about idea. that. I don't know either. Um, but yeah, seven players, and you're playing, and you only have ten. Like the fact that you only have three other players off the bench, really two, because one's a walk on. Like I don't know that. That's going to be surprising because again, you're playing, you, you, you saw it last night, Texas state was playing about 10 deep, like, you know, and this is the first game. This is the first game of the year. This is the game where you should be getting players run, right? We saw Texas, the Texas men's and Texas women's teams. They were just throwing at anybody team manager gets out there, right? Like that's how, that's how the first game of the season works. You blow out a team, you see what you got and you let everybody get some touches and run if you're getting caught up in the first game of the season, crunching your lineup to 10 or to seven, you're in trouble. Like what happens when you play again, they probably still will win the big 12, but like you might stumble a little bit more than we thought now, because you're going to play Iowa state. That's going to run out 10. Like you're going to, you know, you're going to play Texas. Who's going to, you know, who just, just blew out a team obviously. And we'll talk about them in a bit, but if their freshmen get going early, like that's instantly a nine, 10 team, uh, 10 deep team. Like, Guys, and uh, I do want to, I think we can a little bit transition here to Texas State because I think you've yeah. covered, I think you covered Baylor really, really well. I'm I'm worried moving forward because um, Jaden Owens, I thought in that first half, she had eight points in the first half. She missed in this uh, a lot in the second half, but in that first half specifically to get them the lead. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know if that's someone, and her and Bickle off the bench isn't even like a star-studded like bench duo there that's right um so i'm i'm like you kind of hope it you kind of hope like if kamari mcdaniel comes back into the fold a little bit like because we talked about her maybe she's kind of that that person but you know she's been battling injury so i don't know what her stat well she did play against um yeah texas a&m so i'm not i'm not i I don't know i don't know i i I have no clue i don't know but this is it we'll see we'll see how this goes it makes (laughs) things a lot more interesting moving moving forward here so um, but to the Texas State side real quick, because um, this was just this was the game of the day to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, they rolled out, like you said, 10 deep, basically. Right. And it was Denasia Hood, uh, Jonah Johnson transferred from Texas Tech, which just came in and just shot the ball every time she could. And I loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the player of the game to me was Kennedy Taylor. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought she just had complete control of the game and she had nine assists. And it felt like 
they were big assists. It felt yes. like they were like perfect passes to get a layup. Like it wasn't just like, all right, I'm going to kick it out and hope you make a play or something like that. She was legitimately in control of this game from start to finish. The pace of this game was in favor of Texas State. I thought they played fast, which they looked more comfortable playing fast than the Baylor did. And I I felt like Kennedy Taylor was was amazing in this game. Yeah, I mean, she finished with nine assists. She clearly was that initiator on offense. And I think this was a game that we, you know, we just criticized Baylor for their, for their, for the faults we kind of predict them to have now, but man, this is an experienced Texas state team, right? This is a team that plays together, knows how to play together. And it's very clear. They, they're a team that knows their inside out game. Uh, Denasia hoods obviously can, can step out and hit threes as well. Like, I'm I just got a thousand percent more interested in what this team could do, because <clears throat> the fact is we can criticize how much Baylor should have won or dominated or whatever. They probably do against a worse team. We're probably not having this conversation about like what's Baylor's uh, doing on the glass. What's what's their rotation look like if they do just come out and play and face a team that's worse than Texas State. Texas State absolutely put them. In, in weird positions to where like, man, we can't really play. Uh, maybe we can't roll out Kamari McDaniel yet because she's probably not ready for this type of, you know, like this is, this game's a lot closer than we thought. And so, yeah, no, I, I think this was just an incredible coaching job because as we mentioned, this lead just kind of hovered around nine for the longest time. Mm-hmm. And you wondered, like you, you were just waiting just waiting for Baylor to go up and hit. And like the, the, the moments happened, right. And Alyssa Smith hit like a big and had like an and one in like the third quarter. And I was like, Oh, there, that's it. Right. There we go. That's cool. Good job. Great job, everybody. And that was it. like, it didn't, it never happened. The run never happened. Um, so yeah, I mean, they, <clears throat> they held Baylor to about 42% shooting from the floor. Uh, they shot 38% themselves, but they were right there defensively. Like uh, that's what coach Z coach Z was on our, on the show. Like she talked about, the the kind of the the defensive IQ and just like the overall IQ of this team and you just saw it man like <clears throat> where Baylor won this game was points off turnovers really I mean they had 22 points off turnovers compared to 12 for Texas State um and I think they both had about the same number of turnovers and Baylor just made them pay more um and so you know eventually the talent was going to win out but you saw like just a team kind of hanging around third quarter they both shot over 50 percent from the floor like it was just that kind of game. And yeah, like, I don't know. I'm really a lot more intrigued to see what this team has to offer now. Yeah. The other thing was the the free throw disparity as far as free throw attempts go. Right. Mm -hmm. I think um, I don't have, do you have the exact numbers in front of you? The free. Yeah, it was eight, eight attempts for Texas state and 30 for Baylor. And Baylor only made 21 of those, I believe if I remember correctly. So (laughs) They weren't, they were getting to the line. 42, 42 points in the paint for Baylor was was another points in the paint, free throws, all the stuff (laughs) you expect Baylor to be great at. They were great at. Uh, But the one thing for Texas state is they had 23 assists. Yep. That is on 27 made 14 on on 27 made field goals. Yeah. Like it's an offense. Like I said, Kenny Taylor had nine of those. I thought they were just in control on offense. And while they didn't shoot great nine of 34 from three, some of those being later in the game, make or miss, but they were getting shots they, they felt comfortable with. And that's mm-hmm. one thing. It is alar- alarming to go back to Baylor. Texas State looked kind of pretty, really comfortable here. 
And so defensively, Kim Mulkey would not really let that happen. It is different personnel. Like we said, you don't have Didi Richards. You don't have um, uh, Moon Urson. It's a more offensive team. Mm-hmm. Can Baylor overcome that to a degree? Because last year was so rigid defense post defense post this year. It's re- just such a different team. So shout out to Texas state for making them work and showing that you, we got to take you seriously here. Yeah. And I think that you look at Texas state's their early con- non-conference schedule. I mean, Houston Tillotson, UTSA, Texas tech, Arlington Baptist, Houston Baptist, Texas college, Lamar. Like there's one, probably lo- there's one game that they will probably be underdogs, which is tech at tech. Like, and then they get uh, UTEP on December 13th. Like, this is a very, very winnable. Like, they could go into this non-conference schedule with two – or this conference schedule, two, three losses maybe, yeah. like at most. Like, yeah. it, it, this will be, be a very interesting team. Conversely, Baylor, I mean, Maryland, UTA, who's not going to be a pushover now. I'm kind of interested in that game. Um, Arizona State, Houston. Like, again, they might, talent just might win out and it just could have been a bad day at the office, but there are some things I'm gonna have to actually pay attention to some of these games now um, for, for, for Baylor to see how this rotation plays out. Yeah, there's a, and let's, let's move on to some of the other surprising games. Cause there's going to be a lot more teams where we're like, okay, well, we're, we have to watch more of you now. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's start with a couple of the women's games. Let's start with UTRGV women uh, going. I think they played at USF and uh, yes number 21 ranked USF and lose 63 to 56. Um, I didn't watch this game. Um, I, mm-hmm. I saw Justin tweeted about it, um, but that's a, re- that's a hell of a result for UTRGV team that we had going. Let me look at my, our predictions on the season, four and 14, mm-hmm. four and 14 and six and 12. Hey, you want to put, you know, you want to stuff that in our face? Go, go for it. Let's like, do it. Y'all want, Let's do it. Y'all RGV. Yeah. Let's do it, man. Like well, I mentioned the defense. I mean, South Florida shot 32%, like 24% from three, four of 25. And I mean, that's the UTRGV shot better from the floor. Right. And yeah. again, the difference came off points off turnovers, 19 to eight um, in that comparison, second chance points, 15 to five. Like it was just like <clears throat> that type of uh, size discrepancy and that kind of winning on the glass is what eventually had the, the, put it gave them the the difference but i believe they also had about 20 20 plus turnovers for utrgb yeah. yeah 23 so you know but you go to tampa and you scare a top 25 team like that like right on day one okay let's talk let's talk about what you can what you could possibly do this year because yeah. i mean that didn't play like a team that uh is going to be hovering around four wins in conference nope uh they didn't the lead never got over 14 it was literally they outscored them in the second quarter, outscored them in the fourth quarter, and only lost the third quarter by one. It was mm-hmm. they lost the first quarter by tw- by eleven, so that was kind of the difference. But I I don't have anything on this because I didn't watch it. But st- yeah. just looking at the stats, I, I we got to take it seriously now. It's another yep. team we got to see. Yeah, they got. I mean, the conference now in the WAC is is interesting now as far as Texas basketball goes. Avalon Christian, Stephen F. Austin, etc. But. That that was that that's a result we gotta hold on to here. Um, another game uh, we were not able to watch because obviously there's like forty of the forty eight teams we cover. Are, I was about to say there's so many games. There's so many damn games that we can um, like. It was like a little bit of red zone where it's like, oh, this game looks interesting. You gotta like watch over for like five minutes and then exactly. <laughs> um, SMU played a Division two team in a uh, Kansas City. 
the women uh, this yeah. is the women's mm-hmm. uh and they only won by 12 and i'm pulling up the box score i don't know if you have it up or not i do all right, go ahead. What what stands out to you early on just about this win against Kansas City here? So we were at, a little we were a little bullish about SMU going into the year. So Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. I think so I think where the, I'm going to be concerned a little bit is the defense. Both teams shot over 47% from the floor. Um and I believe both teams shot over 35% from 3. Like this was a game that this is a team that I'm really curious to see and you look at the t- you look at the players they added and you do wonder, like, okay, there's a lot of offense and scoring here. There's not a lot of else. There's not a lot of much else. Um, to SMU's credit, they did roll out a lot of players, right? And so I'm wondering if it was just, like, one of those kind of exercise games where it's just like, let's see everybody. You're playing somebody D2. You're not You're not really – to me, like, when you play a D2 team, because this, this happened to the Tech State men's last year, and you lose, of course it's embarrassing and it sucks, but, like, it's not – detrimental to the season you know like if you lose or whatever so like smu played like 15 players like it was like something really ridiculous um they had 44 points off the bench and so i'm wondering if it was just toyle wilson who's just like let's see what we got right every one of these players is going to be able to match up against a uh, player from a d2 team so let's just see what we have and that's more or less what i see like i you know it was it was kind of a little bit of a track meet i mentioned with the, the the shooting from the floor I believe both teams shot over 60% from in in, uh, in the third quarter. But again, I mentioned it, 44 points off the bench. They ran out so many players. And I think it was just her saying, let's see who wants to play, right? Let's see who wants to play. Sydney Wiggins had 15 points. Uh, Daniel Sanderlin had 20 points. Like, you know, you're going through and I don't know. I It is a little bit alarming, but again, this is a team that did basically did not play last year. Yeah. And so I'm okay with them being maybe a little bit rusty or them just putting, giving a lot of players some run. Yeah. Um, you look at the top scorers and uh, Danielle Sanderlin uh, was a transfer, uh, a transfer from UMass mm-hmm. and Sydney Wiggins, obviously from Rice. From Rice yeah. Uh, Jasmine Smith, another starter from Rice. So it's going to take some time. I don't, I don't have a huge problem here. Um, it is interesting. They only shot 13 threes. And 11 of them were from Jasmine Smith and Sydney Wiggins, the rice transfers. So, you know, maybe that's something to watch moving forward. They only got mm-hmm. to the free throw line 14 times. Not great either, but yeah. Well, hey, I, first I, win I, since what? 2020. I'm trying to figure out when 2020 of two years ago, basically yeah. like it's, yep. it's, it's, there is something to be said about that. Cause like, it's a long time to go without a win. Like yeah. again, they didn't play last year, but still, that's still some, let me see. March 2nd, uh, 2020 was their last win. So yep. before that, so. Yep. Um, all right. To the men's side, a uh, couple interesting results here. Let's start with Texas Southern and yeah. Oregon. I think we could start with them. Uh, I have the box score over here. Uh, this was kind of an earlier game, if I remember correctly. It was uh, a little bit earlier than the other ones, but Texas Southern loses to Oregon 83 to 66. This is a top 15 Oregon team mm-hmm. and Texas Southern hung in there. They, that's yeah. kind of what, the, what they do in a lot of, in a lot of ways to put up 66 points isn't surprising uh, as far as like their style goes, but um, you know, Oregon is, is a team that I would expect to put up over 83 against teams from Texas Southern's conference. Right. Mm -hmm. And so to see Texas Southern rebound, obviously they lost the wet Michael Weathers and they're still looking pretty deep and defensively. I looks like they hold Oregon to 40%, holding 33% shooting pretty, pretty strong outing from Texas Southern here. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm encouraged from John Walker that 19 points. He's going to be the guy who steps up in in Weather's place to be that go-to guy. And the fact that he was able to come out um, and be be really, really good, right? He shot two, three of eight from three, two of five from three-point range, like got to the line, seven of eight from the line. Like he was able to kind of get things going and make sure this lead, again, these type of games, right? Or, this is supposed to be a money game for Oregon, right? This is supposed to be, let's, let's, let's get the manager some run in the fourth yeah. quarter, in the, in the second half. And, you know, he's going to hit a three or whatever that never happened. Right. It couldn't, they couldn't afford to let that happen. And like, that's a really good, I mean, that's, so that's a, that's a credit to Johnny Jones and like the, what they have, what he has going there. Cause he's going to have these dudes ready to go. Um, and, and now I'm, you know, I'm really interested to see, this isn't a team that's going to fall off just because their best player is gone. Yep. Uh, another result that kind of shocked me, or actually you were, you were talking about it more than me. I don't know if you watched it. Houston and Hofstra. Buddy. I'll, I'll let you take, take the lead on that one. Houston. So Houston, I don't know if it was just a case of Houston, not. It went to overtime. It went to overtime. Oh, yeah, like, oh. My, I didn't even know this. <laughs> they were, they needed to come back in this game. Houston was down. I knew they were down. Like, yeah, they were down like most of this game. They, I, it was frustrating because the defense seemingly was there for, for parts of the game, right? It wasn't their cleanest defensive game, but like. They held them to 39% shooting. Right. Sure. Sure. It's like that, that. So that's not, that wasn't the big concern for me. There were some lapses in defense here and there. The concern was this offense just looks discombobulated. Like they finished with 15 assists and they rolled out. So their starting lineup they rolled out was Reggie Cheney, Fabian White, Kyler Edwards, Taze Moore, and Marcus Sasser. Who we expected. Exactly. I don't know if they know their point guard or initiator yet. Watching that team in the half court, I was like, I don't know how they're initiating the offense. And it was a lot of, and again, they weren't the prettiest offense last year, but they were efficient and they made sure that they were able. I will say they had 17 offensive boards. Right. They looked like when when things got uh, muddy, they were able to revert back to that. Okay, let's just let's just scrap our way out of this. Let's get crash the offensive glass. Um, I believe uh, Juwan Roberts finished with six offensive boards, like 15 total. Like he's probably going to might work his way into the starting lineup to be that um, Justin Gorm replacement. But offensively, they just looked like a team that did not know if Marcus Sasser wasn't scoring. It looked like they were a team that's like, ah, because look, look at the starting lineup. Kyler Edwards, one assist, one assist, Taz Moore, three assists, Marcus Sasser, three assists. If Marcus Sasser wasn't doing that, like, again, Jamal Shedd might be a guy that works his way into the starting lineup because he's he was able to kind of give give Marcus Sasser some time off the ball. Like, I don't know if they were just feeling out their rotation or not, but this was a team that really – and Hofstra was just like – you're going to give us all these shots. They took 74 shots in this game, right? It's like, if you're going to give us all these shots, we're going to just hang around in this game they, and keep a lead. They had the, I, I agree. The Houston offense rebounded. Yes. It's, it's awesome. Yes. Good. Hofstra had 16 offensive rebounds. Yeah. Yeah. No, they, that, it, wasn't, that it wasn't like they dominated them on the boards. That, that's, that, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen last year. Um, mm-hmm. Kyler Edwards had 11 boards, but Kyler Edwards isn't, isn't, even Dejan Giroux or like Justin Gorham. He, he's, he's the, he's theoretically the initiator, right? Like he, at the beginning of 14 the, from the field, right? I was about to say, like, he's the guy that you should be looking at is like, okay, there's your, you know, Dejan Giroux kind of foil, right? Yeah. He's the guy, the guy you bring in to, from, from tech to, to kind of do that. He had one assist. 
I mean, Ken Palm has him as an 85 uh, offensive rating when he was on the floor. Like 85 is bad. Like <laughs> that's not good. Um, and so, yeah, I, I I don't know. I was really shocked with. I think when they when they when when it got to crunch time, the Houston defense kicked up. The press kicked up. They were really they, they were able to force turnovers. They looked like the Houston, the vintage Houston defense. I, I would and, hope and so. It, They're playing Hofstra, right? Exactly. But that, that's that's my point, right? Where it's like the fact that it got to that point in the second half where they're like, "Oh, we got to kick it up." Hofstra's <laughs> eating our eating lunch, like eating our butts, <laughs> right. kicking our ass. <laughs> Hofstra's going, yeah. And so that was a concern to me. And so I hope, I hope, I hope it was just. First game of the year, knock off some rust or what? Because that was that was shocking. The fact that that had to go to overtime. And again, now, who do they got next? They got Rice next. Rice ain't going, Rice is probably a better team than Hofstra. I'll say that much. Like, we, we, we might not be high on Rice, but they're better than Hofstra. That's for sure. Right. I mean, Hof, Hofstra didn't get to the free throw line. They shot five free throws um, while Houston shot 25. Houston right. shot t- 10 of 24 from three, actually a really high percentage. It's like what 39 or 41%. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like it was an awful three point Rice shot. Rice shot 43 from three, 43 threes. And hit, <laughs> there were tw- that is like, that's rice. Rice will do that. Rice will say, y'all want to shoot 53s. Let's go baby. <laughs> like- yeah. Um, so I, and I, I said, going into the year, I was testing about Matt Marcus Sasser. It looks like Sasser did his job mm-hmm. out there as far as a scorer goes, but Filling in those pieces around him last year, it was a team that had very defined roles, right? Quentin Grimes, you knew what he was going to do. Marcus Sasser was kind of a spot-up guy. You had the rebounding. You had the defense of Dejan Giroux. You had the, the, the rebounding of Justin Gorham. Yep. Replacing those guys is not easy. So I, I definitely think this is still a, a, a good team. I'm not worried mm-hmm. to that extent to where they're going to fall off the face of the earth. But, uh, oh, my gosh, this was – this is a – uh, interesting, interesting result here because, like you said, it wasn't like they were just up by like eight the whole game and then right. pulled out a close one. They were losing. They were getting mm-hmm. smoked by Zach <laughs> Cooks. And I don't know who <laughs> Zach Cooks is, but he had twenty six <laughs> points here. Yep. And that yeah. doesn't happen if Dejan Rose on this team. I'll tell you that. Right. Exactly. So I, I think that I think we will see some some toying with the lineup um, because I mentioned, you know, Juwan Roberts did play a lot more um, played 27 minutes. Jamal shed played 26 minutes or sorry, uh, 27 minutes for Jamal shed 23 minutes for Juwan Roberts off the bench. I'm curious if those guys work their way into the starting lineup at all, because the offense did look better when Jamal shed was in at point guard, because he is a ball handler that let Marcus Sasser play off ball a little bit more. So I'm curious to see if he works his way, um, and you know we'll, we'll see where it goes again first game of the year but i was just like man what what what's going on here <laughs> all right um let's give some love to tarleton state here because they hung in with stanford lost 62 to 50 mm-hmm. and they were actually winning at halftime 26 to 24 at halftime um and i know you don't get awards for for losing but this is a tarleton state team that let's go to our predictions here Oof. tarleton state we probably had them at um not good let's see um tarleton oh there we are uh five and 13 and six and tw- no that's the that's the women okay the men we had nine and nine and seven and eleven so okay okay so this, this that is uh this is a result that we can, can kind of see happening montre gibson we expected to be a good player it ends up with 15 points on six to 12 shooting 
Um, Taj Small, I believe a returning starter or um, a returner, nonetheless, uh, 11 points, eight boards on five of 11 shooting. You know, he only scored 50 points, but defensively to hold Stanford to 62 on was about 43% shooting, six of 21 Mm -hmm. from three. That's a result you'll take any any day because that is a that's a that's a Stanford program that historically is a good team. And even if they're down to a degree, let's say up to the bottom half of the Pac-12, that, that's Tarleton we're talking about here. And if Tarleton can start putting it together, the whack is just got a lot more interesting. Mm-hmm. Held him to 42% shooting. I mean, that that you know, we they're gonna kind of hinge their season on defense, and so far, so good. Now they got uh unfortunately they got Kansas coming up next. So <laughs> <laughs> you know, let's just just skip over that real quick. <laughs> um but yeah, that that that's an interesting result as well. So all right, moving on. Texas Tech and played. Uh, I think you saw some of this to, to yeah, see this, the lineup. Uh, I'm trying to think. This played, was played North Florida. North Florida. Yeah, North Florida, who wasn't too familiar with. I wasn't concerned about this game, but I was just curious to see what, you know, what what the team would look like under Mark Adams in his first game. And I got to give you credit. You called the starting front court. Um, I thought that Marco Santos Silva would be in that front court just because I thought he'd be a little bit of defensive balance with uh, O'Banner. And they rolled out O'Banner, Bryson Williams. And I was <clears throat> I was kind of shook. I was like, oh, they're going offensive. They're they're just gonna say, let's score some points and, in the and, in the paint. And they combined for 39 points. Right. They it was it was impressive. That was it looked really good. Um Kevin McCullough looked really good initiating the offense. Like this again, again, North Florida and all that, but still you wanted to see little signs of what this team could look like. Cool. Let's see. Um, I will say the defense wasn't as clean as we maybe thought. I mean, 46% uh, shooting for North Florida, 44% in the first half, 48% in the second half. Um, so, you know, maybe they were, I'm curious if this was just a little bit of them flexing their offense a bit. Yeah. Um, but I do, that, that was, that is the concern for me is that I don't think that O'Banner Williams front court is the most solid defensive uh, pairing. So I don't know if that stays the lineup. Um, I do wonder about some of the scoring off the bench because granted Marcus Santos Silva had 13 points off the bench, but he's just not going to, he's not going to have that every night. Yeah. And so I, I do, I have four offensive rebounds for what it's right. worth. So a lot of them sure. were probably off that. Sure. Sure. And so I do, that's where I kind of thought Bryson Williams would come off the bench just because I don't know if they have the depth um, there going forward, but you know, we'll see. Um, anyway, good showing, exciting showing. Um Tech scored 89 points, which wasn't always a given under Chris Beard. So, um, <laughs> they're, so yeah. they're deep this year. I I, yeah. I think I said this before that you look at the starting five, all right, you got those five and then you off the bench, you bring Santo Silva, KJ Allen, uh, Chibuzo Agbo, who is a player that continued to improve. Sardar Calhoun, who I'm high on and Adonis Arms, who I'm high on. So that's 10 deep. And then Daniel Bacho, who is a player that they brought in, I believe, um, over the off season. Yep. And that gives you 11, and I don't know if Bacho will play much, but at the very least, I think this is one of the deeper teams in Texas here. So yep. to go to your point, uh, Williams and O'Banner combined for one block, um, and so that's probably what you're going to get. I don't know if it'll hold up in Big 12 play, but they'll definitely score more than they did last year. So mm-hmm. that'll be fun. All right. Um, I think that covers all of the, like the, the main surprise games. We have a couple more games to talk about here, uh, but real quick before we do that, let's just – give some quick uh, scores for those who maybe haven't checked uh, on the women's side, Texas A&M beats A&M Corpus Christi, 87, 54 
Rice, UNT, both win by 40. TCU beat Houston Baptist, 78 to 48. Uh, Tavi Diggs came off the bench for TCU. Uh, still played 30 mm-hmm. minutes, but, you know, something maybe to watch there. Uh, on the men's side, Texas beat Houston Baptist, which I think you said you watched a little bit of. Do you have any takeaways bit. from that? 92 to 48? Uh, so mostly, I'm trying to think, like, <clears throat> There was the starting lineup I was curious to see. Um, I was a little interested because I know that Trey Mitchell had kind of started a little bit for Texas and uh, Timmy Allen. They roll out Timmy Allen and Christian Bishop in the front court. I thought Timmy Allen would be that prototypical Chris Beard tweener forward. So I was happy to see him kind of in the starting lineup. Uh, I think it was Ramey, Jones, Carr, Bishop, Allen was there, was their starters. Um, Trey Mitchell, Askew, Cunningham were the first guys off the bench. But uh, Trace, uh, Jace Febris, like, he's a guy who's been hurt, right, uh, the past couple of years. If he can come in and deliver some shooting off the uh, scoring options off the bench, like, yeah. this is a team that's legitimately, like, 11 deep. Yeah. And we talked about it. And they, the fact that they rolled out Trey Mitchell, Jace Febris, and uh, Devin Askew off the bench, I was like, that's, that's cheating. That should be allowed. Mm-hmm. Um, but it looked good. I mean, they looked exciting. That's what you want to see. I mean, Chris Beard brings a lot of energy. The defense looked really good and athletic. I mean, I believe they had five blocks. Uh, Bishop had two. Trey Mitchell had two, like uh, Andrew Jones had five steals. Like, again, this is, you just wanted to see some energy in this type of game. Um, unfortunately for Houston Baptist, there's not much to take away from this game. Um, but, you know, uh, I think I think it was a really good debut for, for Chris Beard. Yeah. Um, going to Conference USA, UTSA, UTEP, and North Texas, all won by 30-plus against Division II schools. You know, uh, good showings by them uh, mm-hmm. to not let those teams hang around. Uh, all teams were kind of interested in this year. Uh, Texas State, another thing, I, or another game I kind of want, uh, I think you saw a little bit of Texas State UIW. Texas mm-hmm. State wins 75-57. Any quick takeaways from that? Um, yeah, I think they look a little bit more polished. They only beat uh, St. Mary's, a D2 school, by nine the week before in an exhibition. Mm-hmm. And so people were wanting to see a little bit more. Um, came out looking really good. Mason Harrell, I know, had missed that scrimmage, and he came in and played about 20-ish minutes. Um, didn't really exert himself that much, but offense did look better. Drew Drennan, who was their uh, transfer bringing in, uh, coming in at uh, backup point guard, looked really good. Five of eight, 12 points. So, who played the, uh, who really the just five overall for them? Uh, it was Nigel Caesar, um, which is kind of it – was, it was between him and Nate Martin, I knew. And yes. so, Nigel Caesar uh, getting that spot. Uh, looked really good. So I think that that's, that was promising for them. Uh, Incarnate word again, we have some questions about them, but they did, it did, they didn't look, it wasn't bad. They didn't look bad. Um, their starting lineup was in uh, Brandon Swaby. I think it, I, he, he might be nursing some injury cause he played 18 points. He didn't score a single point. So I think there might be something up with him. Yeah. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, SMU men's beat McNeese 86 to 62. Um, I know we talked about this, but Zach Nuttall and Tristan Clark did not start. Mm-hmm. Nuttall played 25 minutes, Clark played 17 in a game that they won handily. So I'm not too concerned about the minutes, but Tristan Clark puts up 12 points on six and nine shooting with six boards and two blocks. Looks good, man. Let's hopefully, hopefully that continues because you know that's that's a dude that that uh. Life's dealt him a bad hand when it comes to basketball sometimes. And no, no offense can... to Isaiah JC, but I'm starting Tristan Clark. Yeah, get out, get out, get out the way, son. Sorry. I'm starting <laughs> Tim, Tristan Clark. Tim, I understand. Tim, you gotta probably let you gotta say no, the new guy's is. gotta work his in. Yeah. yeah, nope, nope, nope. All right, come on nah, now. No, no, no. Zach Nuttall, four of eight from three. I mean, if he shoots 50% from three, 
With three assists, nonetheless. The steal. weird one in this game was I'm pretty sure Kendrick Davis started like O of seven from the floor, and mm-hmm. so that was the that was the only interesting thing was like, huh? They were trying to like a little bit. It was he was forcing it a little bit. Well, um, I'm wondering. Looks if, like they gave him a little bit of problems. It was only an eight point game at half. Yeah. So I think and I think part of that was you know Kendrick Davis kind of struggling in the beginning yeah. to find his shot. So, um, but the good thing about that, again, we've talked about it. The good thing about that is if he struggles, they're not losing. So, yeah, yep. Uh, last game I want to briefly touch on here before we get into a couple of the other key games from the night. Uh, Stephen F. Austin men's mm-hmm. only beat LSU Alexandria 82 to 73. Mm-hmm. And that's another just not not great result here. We're talking about uh, defensively to give give up 73 points. I know FCFA can play kind of fast at times, but, sure. uh, you know, to give up that many points to LSU Alexandria is not ideal. Um, right. And I'm just looking at the box score here. Obviously it's everybody from Stephen F. Austin. You expect Gavin Kensmill 24, Rody Ware 18, uh, Calvin Solomon, 12, um, Jalen Jackson, Posey eight, uh, and then really not too much after that. So I'm, I'm interested to see the depth of this Stephen F. Austin team because mm-hmm. SFA had to play four guys, basically 30 minutes, 30 plus minutes. Um, Alexandria was able to go eight of 20 from three, which is really good. I think that's 40% and shoot the ball overall 40 from 45% from the field. So defensively, that's going to be something to look for from Stephen F. Austin moving forward. Yep. All right. A couple last key games we have here. Well, I don't even know if these are key games, key games we watch. That's what we yeah. games. We watched, got our eyes on. Uh, let's start with Texas against new Orleans real quick. Oh, I man. watched it. Right. Yeah, um, I unfortunately I watched the first half. I can't say yeah. I, I willed myself to watch the final score of one thirty one to 36. Uh, and Vic like, Schaefer's mean, man. Vic Schaefer, <laughs> like, I understand, mean, bro. I understand you wanted to work on stuff, especially the press. Because I, I wrote in my notes, in all caps, still pressing up 45 to 8. And I was like, <sighs> I know it's the second quarter. I know you want to work on your press. Um, but good Lord, releasing Audrey Warren against New Orleans is just mean. Like, she's just just a mean defender she just here. swallows like, everybody poor, whole the poor new like, orleans girls were just trying to get the ball past half court and audrey warren just <laughs> took it from them every right. single time and it's like oh my god i feel so bad so um yeah, yeah it was 15-0 in four minutes 31 to 6 in the first quarter <laughs> um but yeah i we i was i was impressed to say another, i was impressed another, is yeah. might be an understatement this, this the team, the the, the, the thing I was looking for in this game was kind of the rotation in the, the, the starting lineup. Um, Rory Harmon, Aaliyah Moore, fresh, two freshmen in the starting lineup. You mentioned Audrey Warren, Joanne Allen Taylor, of course, and Deanna Gaston, which was another uh, interesting name uh, I saw there as well. Kendall Hunter, I mean, 14 minutes, 27 points. I looked at the box score, so I had to turn it off. I didn't even finish the second quarter. Yeah. I've watched half of the second quarter and then LSU started. So I had to turn it off. I was like, okay, I gotta, gotta yeah. do, do my job. <laughs> I turn it off and apparently she goes nuclear. 13. Like, she put up 13 shots in 14 minutes, bro. <laughs> like did she, you, did you see her flamethrower? Did you see the second quarter? I went and looked at it. I looked at the play by play. I typed yeah. in Kendall Hunter second quarter uh, for the last four minutes. She makes seven threes. Seven threes oh. in four minutes. She's and then so yeah. 
She didn't, she didn't play in the first or the third quarter. She only played in the mm-hmm. second and fourth quarter. Played 14 minutes, like you said. And then the fourth quarter, she comes in and doesn't do the same exact thing, but then she goes and scores even more. I'm yeah. just like, all right. It So this is what, like, watching Kendall Hunter at Side Creek, watching both her and Rory Harmon, it was obvious that Rory Harmon was going to be the easily translatable guard yeah. to college. Um, she has the off... She has the off-ball skills defensively. She has the on-ball initiator skills. Like, that is – it was no surprise that she was the starting point guard. Kendall Hunter's thing was always going to be her shot. Like, watching her at Side Creek uh, two years ago, I believe it was, when when Side Creek made the title game against Duncanville, Rory Harmon didn't play. Yeah. And so it was just the Kendall Hunter show. And it was just like, I'm just going to – pull my best Steph Curry and Diana Taurasi and just knock down everything. Right. And so it was her, like she has such a quick trigger shot that that was going to be the thing for her that got her some minutes, right. Her guard, her, the, the, her ball handling and everything else will develop later. Um, They're not bad, but definitely probably not collegiate level right now. Her off ball skills and her shooting is going to make her deadly. And first player off the bench, I mean, Jesus, like these, the wild thing is like, yes, you can say, oh, it's New Orleans, oh, it's first game of the year. These type of games are going to happen for her this year because of just her skills with shooting the ball. Like you're going to look down and you're like, wait, she put up how many shots and how many minutes? Like that's just going to be her nature and playing with Rory Harmon, who has that, you know, obviously has that uh, camaraderie with her. Like you again, again, Kendall Hunter had no assists in this game. She didn't need to handle the ball. <laughs> like, like Rory Harmon had Clay Thompson eight, this thing. Right, exactly. Rory Harmon had eight assists, uh, seven points. Kendall Hunter had no assists. Like, she's just like, Yeah, I don't need oh, I don't need to handle the ball on this team. Awesome. Like, this is great. Oh, we got Joanne Allen Taylor initiating the offense, Rory Harmon. That's great. I don't need to worry about this. Like, I can just do my thing. This is this is we were worried about this team being a little too young. Yeah. And I still am to a degree, sure, sure. but Rory Hardman, Kendall Hunter, um, you mentioned uh, Deanna, Moore. Uh, yeah, Aaliyah Moore, uh, starting freshman uh, Ford. Deanna, uh, Deanna Gaston is mm-hmm. a sophomore, started. So we're talking about like four of potentially like the top seven, eight rotation players here being first and second year players. Mm-hmm. And uh, Leticia Lattimore, a freshman center as well. Yep. It, it, she looked good. Mm-hmm. Looked really, really good. You like, know, I, I, I said that, you know, oh, Vic Schaefer's mean. I know why he did this, right? This type of game for this young team, like you want to get this team excited, right? You want to get this team scoring, defending at a high level. And so like, sure, Joe, uh, Dwayne Allen Taylor, Audrey Warren, whatever, they, they know how, how it works. But these other players, like, okay, yeah, no, put almost 100 between you and New Orleans. Like, let's go. Like, let's see what these young players have to get them excited and get some real, real genuine swagger and confidence going because they got Stanford coming up next. And so, you know, you had to put your foot down on this type of game to get your freshmen excited and energized going forward. Yeah. Um, Real quick, uh, New Orleans had 20 turnovers in 17 minutes, ended the game with 38 turnovers. Uh, Nobody on Texas played over 22 minutes. Um, in my notes, I have written down what a freshman class because we've already talked about them. I just this the the youth on this team is still concerning, but man, they can play. They oh, yeah. can play. So we will see. And having Audrey Warren and Joanne Alan Taylor Alan Taylor as glue pieces still because we questioned 
having them do a lot more wouldn't yep. be ideal, right? We, as we were like, you know, you can't really have them go out and ask Warren and Joanne Alentero to put up like, you know, combined for 30, like, sure. you know, so if they don't have to do that, they can still do play their roles and, you know, score on occasion, but they can play their roles and let these new cats come in and just score the ball. This team will be really good again. So mm-hmm. that's exciting. That's very exciting. All right. Um, who else do we have here? I mean, I think that's mostly it. Last it? one. Last one. Stephen F. Austin and UTA. UTSA. Oh, yeah. Last one here. Uh, I watched the second and third quarter of this game. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how much of it you caught. Uh, I was catching it a little bit intermittently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at halftime, SFA was up 38-23, right? In the first mm-hmm. f- first quarter, first um, – I don't know how – I don't even know how to describe it. It was 36-18 to 18 at one point, and it felt like mm-hmm. SFA was just dominating the game. Yeah. Right? Zion Nugent um, – I was played a, played a really strong game. I thought that just the pace of which Stephen F. Austin played with wasn't something UTSA was was caught off guard by, but it was something Stephen F. Austin just did better, right? Yeah. Stephanie Vischer obviously just kind of was better than anybody else on the court. Uh, you knew what you were getting from everybody else on the court, Ayana Johnson as well. But give UTSA credit, they fought back to a degree in the second in the second half, it was kind of worn down a little bit. Yeah, I don't think it ever got under 10, but they at least kept it to about 10 to 15 a lot of the second half until SFA just kind of put it away at the end. And that's what you mm-hmm. expect from Stephen F. Austin. But I left that game, and I think I saw Justin tweet this as, as well. I felt left that game. I think he tweeted this in like the first half. Mm-hmm. He was like, I actually feel pretty good about UTSA, even though they're getting their the doors kicked in. Right. I left the game actually feeling pretty decent about them. The UTSA didn't look overwhelmed. They they tried pressuring Stephen F. Austin. Uh, it was a lot of LaPraza Johnson. But defensively, give Karen Aston credit. I thought they played Stephen F. Austin about as well as you can. Steve, this Stephen F. Austin team is going to put up like 100 on like half the teams they play. Right. So I thought, I thought it was a pretty solid showing from UTSA, considering yeah. their expectations. No, exactly. I think that <clears throat> that you, this is it shows why you hire Karen Aston, right? Somebody who can coach you probably better than what the talent you bring into the because the the conflict we talked about with this team is that this is an experienced team, and this is like they're kind of in that weird area where they're either it's a lot of players that aren't going to be here next year or players that are like you're playing for like two years down the road, right? And so it's kind of in that interesting balance to see like, okay, well, they're not like one year away. They're kind of two years away, but they're also losing a lot next year. So it's like, I think that's, I think that was kind of the smart roster building where it's like, let's get players who can contribute now um, to be able to, uh, to be able to play against teams like this SFA team that's going to be kicking teams butts this year. Um the one surprising thing was uh, Jaden Pimentel, one of their key transfers, didn't start, but she played about 30 minutes a game, so she probably will. Either she'll be their sixth person off the bench or she will eventually just start straight up. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> 31 points off turnovers for SFA. Like, again, this is just a team that's going to be – it's going to be clicking. I can't – you know, I'm probably going to try to make that AM game next week um, in College Station because I'm really excited to see that. Um, just, to, just to give people a, a – a nice um uh just show what sfa is kind of all about all their tops minutes getters to sharon robinson ayana johnson zion nugent uh, stephanie visher and brianna mitchell nobody had a usage percentage over 25 percent like everybody it was like 13 their starting point guard had 13 percent usage percentage like they just don't rely on one thing which is just yes. so impressive to me um 
So yeah, by the way, that is, I mean, sorry, we talked about their starting point guard, uh, Melissa Banfield being gone, or Marissa Banfield, uh, to Sharon Robinson did step up into that uh, starting point guard role. So whether that's like a replacement by committee, because, you know, Zaya Nugent and uh, Stephanie Fisher can obviously handle the ball as well. Who knows? But um, that just, that was kind of one thing I did, I did notice as well was um, a little bit more initiating from their two more experienced guards. Yeah. And I don't think UTSA is going to like, obviously shock a ton of people in conference USA or anything, sure. but you know, uh, you go, you leave a game against a really good Stephen F. Austin team um, feeling a little bit better moving forward, even though you obviously lose by 27 points. I, to me, I just left that for me personally. I only, again, I only watched the first quarter and a half, but what I saw from that quarter and a half, even though they were getting blown out mm-hmm. was promising. So, yeah, no, I mean, like, again, this is a UTSA team that was coming off what zero conference wins last year how many yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> like so yes. it's literally you're looking for things to be impressed and encouraged by and you know i was yep all right um last thing um yeah i watched north texas play real quick north texas mm-hmm. uh men's that is and they looked good new new team obviously no jv on hamlet no uh zachary simmons and no james reese uh james reese was lighting it up over in south carolina uh but yeah, it, it looked like a good team. They did struggle a little bit um, offensively to start, but they found their found their foot footing. So um, we'll have to see. It, it's weird, not because they McCaslin's always had that ball centric point guard, Ryan Woolridge, JV on Hamlet. They don't have that this year, so it's going to be a lot more committee type stuff. And so they're getting kind of adjusted to that. So uh, yeah, that's that on North Texas, and I think we've covered everybody. I feel like we did, we probably covered what? How many teams out of forty? We probably covered what twenty touched on him at least <laughs> at, t- at least right so I, I feel good about that we won't do that every single podcast some podcast if there's you know right. a main game or two we'll definitely focus on but with this being the first day of games uh felt like we wanted to touch on as much as we could here. i mean we previewed 48 so we might as we, we had to we, our eyes were kind of everywhere right yesterday so after, after you just talk about him you can't just leave them right, <laughs> right, like, right. like i have to see how uh utrgv women did or if not i'm gonna <laughs> exactly. feel bad <laughs> right, right, right. like i'm gonna i'm gonna see how they at least did against stanford so mm. um yeah shout out to all of them uh We'll be doing the podcast twice a week. Uh, so next one, who knows, uh, Friday or Saturday, uh, once, until we get in kind of a rhythm as mm-hmm. the year goes on. But thank you all for joining us. Uh, leave us a five-star rating or review on Apple. Uh, check us out wherever you get your podcast. Check us out at uh, texasbasketball.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter at DCT Basketball. That's where we post our, um, post our podcast, and that's where we kind of give our thoughts there. Uh, follow Ish on Twitter at Ishmael R. Johnson. Follow me on Twitter at Matthew Bruni underscore. Um, and yeah, day one, college basketball in a what six-month stretch. Let's yep. get into it. Let's get Thank it, you. baby. Thank you all for joining us, and we'll talk to you all later.